Today's message I've entitled Abortion, the Great American Holocaust. Abortion, the Great American Holocaust. Uh, just recently, in fact, I got it in the mail, never got a chance to even open it, and then I couldn't find it, but Cease brought it over to my house. But she also got it in the mail from Focus on the Family, from James Dobson. The recent newsletter, he spoke about the issue of abortion. It's something that's been with us since 1973. And he quotes from a pro-abortion doctor named Dr. Selzer, and, uh, who was affiliated with Yale University Hospital, and he spoke about an abortion that he witnessed. He and a few other doctors witnessed it as it was occurring, and the doctor stuck the needle into the woman uh, for the purpose of killing the unborn baby. The woman was uh, 24 weeks pregnant. And he said that he kept seeing a jerking movement going on. And this doctor recognized that what was going on was a human being a little tiny human being was fighting for his life. Now the guy is still pro-abortion. And we're going to see there's lots of people that admit that the baby is a human being and they're still pro-abortion. They don't mind that we are killing human beings. Uh, James Dobson also quotes from the same gentleman. He talks about a day uh, I think it was back in 19, 1975, August 6th. And uh, this occurred in New York City on 73rd Street near Woodside Avenue. And apparently a garbage truck had passed by that early that morning. From, and a bag of what was supposedly garbage fell onto the street. And, you know, the truck was moving, so it kind of fell and bounced around and got spread over the street. And early that morning, people started walking around, and somebody realized they stepped on something soft, and they looked, and they thought they were looking at a little small bird, and they saw it was a little baby. And then somebody else saw another little baby. And somebody else saw another one. And within minutes, the police were there, and they had blocked off the scene, which is what you do, when there are the dead bodies of human beings. And they blocked off the scene just like you would uh, had it been adult human beings. What they found out was that the, a hospital in the area had placed these dead babies that had been aborted into a plastic bag and they marked it hazardous material and they just threw it in their dumpster and then the garbage truck had picked it up and somehow it had fallen out of the back of the garbage uh, dumpster. Uh, there was another occasion when little children were playing in a uh, garbage dumpster and they told their mom and dad that uh, they had found these neat little dolls and when their parents saw what they were playing with, realized they were playing with little human beings, uh, babies that we don't call human beings, we like to look the other way. 
Now, this is the same country. This is the United States of America here. This is not the Soviet Union. And we like to condemn the actions of Adolf Hitler because he butchered six million innocent Jewish people. And he butchered a lot of other innocent people as well. But the fact of the matter is, we have got a holocaust on our hands in this country. There is no compromise in this area. Right now there is legitimate action that we can take. One of the political parties in this country has historically taken a pro-life position. That's the Republican Party. The Democratic Party left us uh, in the uh, late 60s on this issue. Right now, also in this letter from James Dobson, it says, GOP, that's the Republican Party, warned not to forget family values. Religious right voices concern on party agenda. Gary Bauer, who's the head of the uh, Family Research Council, and Ralph Reed, who heads the uh, Christian Coalition, have been telling Republican uh, candidates over and over again, stay pro-life. Don't bite the hand that feeds you. A lot of Christians are backing Republicans, and one of the main reasons is because you guys are pro-life. Um, unfortunately, though, right now, out of the candidates that are running for announced that they're going to run for president among the Republicans, one of them, Alan Spector, uh, is uh, pro-abortion. All the other candidates that are running as Republicans that are going to run for president are pro-life. Now, we know our president, uh, President Clinton, is pro-abortion. But the other Republican candidates there, besides Spector, are pro-life. But all of them, except one at this point, have said they want to tone it down. And they want to open the party up uh, to, to uh, people who are pro-abortion and that type of thing. And because of it, people like Ralph Reed, Gary Bauer, James Dobson are warning the Republican Party to stick with it. Now, the guy, Pat Buchanan, basically said in a, in a uh, recent speech, and he said it over and over again, that if you're going to take... If you're going to take the pro-life position away from the Republican platform, you're going to do it over my dead body. So there is right now one uh, Republican candidate that is willing to roll up his sleeves and go to battle for the unborn. And so I pray that we still have some political say, that we still have people that are going to uncompromisingly defend the right to life of the unborn, but that may be leaving us as well and I, I hope it doesn't I hope we can continue to fight abortion by voting because it's, it's going to open up a whole can of worms if you can't help the unborn through that method and I, I just it just scares me uh, the only options that will be left but the fact is since the 1973 Roe versus Wade Supreme Court decision about one and a half million babies have been aborted per year in this country that means over 30 million babies have been aborted in this country. Now, if we slam Adolf Hitler for putting innocent human beings into ovens, what do we do when little tiny babies are in our dumpsters throughout this country? What do we do when little tiny babies are laying on the streets of New York because they've 
fell out of the bag of a garbage truck. Little babies are not garbage. And so we really need to look at this. Is the unborn baby a human being? And if the answer to that question is yes, then we have in this country a Holocaust that makes the Holocaust of Adolf Hitler uh, pale in significance. Adolf Hitler deserved the judgment that he got. The sad thing is, America, which was a nation founded on biblical principles and therefore was more responsible, probably deserves worse judgment than Hitler got. Now, there's a remnant in this country. There's a few people who have said that they will not compromise to the ways of the world. And we are part of that remnant. And if we get on our knees and if we pray and if we lead our friends to Christ, maybe this country can be turned around. But if time hasn't already run out for America, it's getting short. The battle lines are drawn. Uh, the time to go to spiritual war is now. Uh, let's take a look at Exodus chapter 23 and verse 7. Exodus chapter 23 and verse 7. God's Word says this, Keep far from a false charge, and do not kill the innocent or the righteous, for I will not acquit the guilty. Do not kill the innocent or the righteous. God's Word says we're supposed to execute the Ted Bundys, the ruthless murderers. Life for life, eye for an eye, that's the way the government should rule, making the punishment fit the crime. But you don't kill innocent or righteous people. You don't kill somebody who hasn't broken a law, who hasn't committed a crime that's deserving of death. Now the question comes up then, are unborn babies human beings? Because if unborn babies are human beings, if we can show that from the Bible, and if we can show that through medical science, then we are in disobedience to God because we are, in fact, slaughtering, butchering human beings. Though they're very tiny, we are butchering and killing human beings if, in fact, unborn babies are humans. Take a look at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. Verse 41, And it came about that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. Now Elizabeth was, was pregnant with John the Baptist in her womb. The baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 44, For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. Then look at Luke chapter 2. Verses 12 and verse 16. 
And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. It's talking about Jesus. After he's born, he's going to be lying in a manger. Verse 16. And they came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. Now you might think, why in the world is Pastor Fernandez putting those four verses together? The reason why I'm putting those four verses together is the same, same exact word for babe or for baby is used in, in all four of those verses. The word is brephos. Brephos in the, in the Greek. In Luke chapter 1, verse 41 and 44, brephos is what the baby's called in the womb. Outside the womb, in Luke chapter 2, verse 12 and 16, the baby is called the same word in the Greek, brephos. So whether the baby is after birth or before the birth, whether it's in the womb or out of the womb, it's the same word for both of them. The Bible draws no distinction. The Bible calls a pregnant lady a woman with child. Not a woman with some extra tissue. A woman with child. Um, take a look at Exodus chapter 21. Now this, I hope, I hope this doesn't make the issue complex. It wasn't translated as good as it should have been. Uh, the Hebrew is a lot more clear than the passage, than the way they translate this. But Exodus chapter 21, I'm reading from the New American Standard. Uh, I'll also be looking at the uh, NIV as well as the King James for this particular passage, just to show you how the other translations translate it and uh, why I think the NIV, which... Usually the New American Standard is a lot more literal than the NIV, but here I think the NIV does a much better job and captures the intent uh, of the original than the uh, New American Standard does. Let me just open up in the King James as well here. I've got three Bibles and only one hand. So if you turn to Exodus 21, verses 22... To 25. And that reads, And if men struggle, this is the New American Standard, And if men struggle with each other and strike a woman with child so that she has a miscarriage, yet there is no further injury, he shall surely be fined as the woman's husband may demand of him, and he shall pay as the judges decide. But if there is any further injury, then you shall appoint as a penalty life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. Make the punishment fit the crime. Now the thing is, the big question about this passage, whose injury are they talking about? The mother or the child? Now with the New American Standard, it looks like that the injury is dealing with the mother because it says so that she has a miscarriage. If she has a miscarriage, the baby died, but then if there's no injury, he's got to be talking about the mother. The problem with, it, with that interpretation is this passage, this chapter already deals with what happens if you kill an adult or injure an adult. So this is talking about a special case. It doesn't appear to... He'd just be repeating himself, and it would be irrelevant if the lady was pregnant, if the injury was to her. 
Now, how that passage literally reads in the King James in Exodus chapter 21 and verse 22, the King James renders it uh, almost uh, about as literal as you can. If men strive and hurt a woman with child, again, the Bible, if the baby's unborn, it's a woman with child, so that her fruit depart from her, and yet no mischief follow, he shall surely be punished, according as the woman's husband will lay upon him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. And then it talks about, but it's got to be eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, life for life. Now, the key there is, literally, in the Hebrew, it, it says that if her fruit departs, Now, Jesus in Luke is referred to as the fruit of Mary's womb. The fruit departing from a womb is just the baby being born. It's not a miscarriage. It's the baby being born. And that's why the NIV, the translators there, understood that. And in verse 22, they stated this. If men who are fighting hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely, but there is no serious injury... The offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. But if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life. And then it goes on, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. So if the fruit departing does not necessitate that the baby die and that it be a miscarriage. The fruit departing is just saying the fruit of her womb departs because this lady's been hit. Two guys were fighting. A guy bumped into the, the pregnant lady. The, the baby comes out. If the baby's alive and there's no injury, fine. But if there is an injury or if the baby is dead, then it's eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, life for life, because that's a human being. Uh, R.C. Sproul does a real good job on this in his book, uh, Abortion, A Rational Look at an Emotional Issue. Uh, Dr. Norman Geisler does a good job in his work on Christian ethics as well. And uh, so you can look into that passage uh, based on their writings, and you will see that it is very, very clear that what that passage is not is not talking about a miscarriage. It's talking about a premature birth, and the health of that baby is going to determine what kind of punishment their man receives because the baby there is considered a human being. Now take a look at Psalm 51.5. What we've already established at this point is that the Bible teaches that an unborn baby is a human being. But what some people might argue here is that, yeah, well, maybe it's a human being, but it only becomes a human being after six months, or after three months, or after four months. What does the Bible say about that? Look at Psalm 51.5. By the way, the, the usual verses that are given, that God knew me, in my mother's womb, and he formed me in my mother's womb. Any one of those passages could be interpreted either way. Any one of those passages uh, could be that God knew me before I really existed when I was in my mother's womb, and then he formed me, and then I was born and I existed. So I think those passages are vague. All I'm showing is the very clear passages, which once they're translated properly, can only be understood one way. Look at Psalm 51.5. In this particular passage, the more literal translation is the New American Standard. Uh, however, 
it reads so literal that it's, it's not as easy to understand as it, uh, as it should be uh, in the English. Look at Psalm 51.5. Behold, I was brought... David's talking here. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Now, it sounds like it could mean one or two, th two possible things. It could mean that maybe his mother sinned by having a relationship with somebody, and then he was born... And the Bible does not, does not say that. His mother had relations with his father, Jesse. There was no sin involved there. There is no sin in, in sex between a husband and his wife. And so the only other possibility is, in that passage, that he's saying that in sin I was conceived. In other words, I was sinful from the time I was conceived. From the moment of conception, when the sperm cell united uh, with the egg of the woman... Uh, right at that point, the 23 chromosomes plus 23 chromosomes gives you 46 chromosomes. You have a new genetic code. You have a new human being. Every characteristic that goes into making you who you are today was there. The blueprint for everything, the kind of teeth you're going to have, the color hair you're going to have, the color eyes, right on down the line was there in those 46 chromosomes, that genetic code. That genetic code defines you. It defines who you are. It's a different genetic code from the mother. Every cell in that mother's body shares her genetic code. But if there's, at the moment of conception, there's a new cell, but it's a different genetic code because it's a different human being. All that you need is time, nurture, some gentleness, and that little single cell is going to multiply and get bigger and bigger, and then all of a sudden you turn around, you've got a six foot three, 250-pound, 18-year-old kid who you can't get out of the house. But Psalm 51.5, the NIV translates it like this, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. That brings up the idea of what, is, what the Hebrew is saying. Okay? So David says, I was sinful from the moment my mother conceived me. Let me ask you a question. Can, can tissue be sinful? No. Human beings are sinful. No such thing as tissue that has a sin nature. In other words, what the Bible is very clearly saying is that life starts, human life starts at the moment of conception. Right at that very moment... Not nine months later when a baby's born, there's no magic wand that says, okay, now you're a human being. Before that, you weren't. You know, right, right now, there was one lawyer who told James Dobson that legally, because of Roe versus Wade, Roe versus Wade says you can only have abortions up to a certain point, but to help the well-being of the mother, you can go right up to the ninth month. You can go right up to the moment of conception. I mean, to the moment of, of giving birth. And right before that moment, you can have an abortion and so all a woman has to say is, I'm under a lot of stress, and you can have abortion, even in the third trimester. Uh, but one lawyer told James Dobson, if you had a cesarean, if, if they cut a woman open, if she changed her mind, said, I don't want to have the baby, I want to have an abortion instead, if the doctor reached his hands into the womb of the lady and crushed the, the neck of the baby, that would be a legal abortion. Perfectly legal. It's obviously not ethical, but it would be perfectly legal. 
But if he pulled the baby up out of the womb and crushed the baby's neck, that would be murder of a human being. In the womb, not a human. Out of the womb, uh, a human. That does not make a lot of sense to me. What I want to do right now is look at some of the medical arguments that life starts at conception. The medical evidence is in. The medical evidence very clearly says uh, that at conception, a new human being comes into existence. At conception, all genetic information is present. And now we're going to take a look at some testimonies of the medical uh, experts on this subject. Now, in 1981, there was a United States congressional hearing where scientific experts from the medical field from around the world testified before Congress about when life starts. Uh, Dr. Uh, Michelin M. Matthews Roth stated this. And by the way, some of these doctors are probably pro-life and some are probably pro-abortion and some probably couldn't care either way. But all they're start trying to state is... Uh, from medical evidence, when does life begin? And this Dr. Roth, Matthews Roth, states this, In biology and in medicine, it is an accepted fact that the life of any individual organism reproducing by sexual reproduction begins at conception or fertilization. In other words, if you got two beings that reproduce through sex, when they have sex... If the sperm and the egg unite, you have a new human being. Life starts right then and there. It used to be you didn't need a medical expert to tell you that. You knew that uh, a guy would get together with a lady and they would make little babies. That it wasn't some magic wand waved over uh, this thing nine months later. That we reproduced our, uh, uh, through sexual intercourse. Dr. Jaime Gordon says this, said this, before Congress. But now we can say unequivocally that the question of when life begins is no longer a question for theological or philosophical dispute. It is an established scientific fact. Theologians and philosophers may go on to debate the meaning of life or the purpose of life, but it is an established fact that all life, including human life, begins at the moment of conception. No debate there. No debate at all. Dr. Jerome Lejeune, he died recently. Uh, he's uh, he, one of the world's, uh, was one of the world's leading geneticists, genetic experts. Uh, he discovered Down syndrome. Tremendous, brilliant man. Stands head and shoulders above others in his field. He stated this, to accept the fact that after fertilization has taken place, a new human has come into being is no longer a matter of taste or opinion. The human nature of the human being from conception to old age is not a metaphysical contention. It is plain experimental evidence. And so he says it's very, very clear that life starts at conception. Uh, in Dr. Uh, R.C. Sproul's book, Abortion, a Rational Look at, a, at an Emotional Issue, he gives in the back, uh, the testimony of Dr. Lejeune, and he testified before court. They had, I believe they had frozen some embryos, and they wanted to know, is it all right if we could just destroy those frozen embryos? 
And so these are, uh, it's already past the point of conception. And so he basically argued that they're little human beings. And so Dr. Uh, Jerome Lejeune, who has both an MD, a doctor of medicine, and a PhD, uh, professor, he was the professor of fundamental genetics uh, on the faculty of medicine of, of Paris, and he holds the Kennedy Prize for being the first to discover Down syndrome. Uh, he states, he states this, all I can say, and if I can say so, I would say that life has a very long history, but each of us has a unique beginning, the moment of conception. As soon as 23 chromosomes carried by the sperm encounter the 23 chromosomes carried by the ovum, the whole information necessary and sufficient to spell out all the characteristics of the new being is gathered. When this information carried by the sperm and by the ovum has encountered each other, then a new human being is defined because its own personal and human constitution is entirely spelled out. He says a little further as he was testifying. A new life will begin when a female and a male cell will encounter to produce the next generation. He goes on to say, And I would say that science has a very simple conception of man. As soon as he has been conceived, a man is a man. Then a little further, uh, he's questioned uh, by the lawyer, Will you concede, Dr. Lejeune, there are other very distinguished scientists, men who are as learned as you, who have thought and who have access to the same scientific information that you have, who come to a different conclusion. He's saying, are there other experts like you, with all the wisdom that you got, who don't believe that life starts at uh, conception? Now, he's puzzled. He's wondering, well, what is, he, what is he talking about here? So he says, about what? And the lawyer says, about the moral rights or moral duty to the zygote. What he's saying is, right at the moment of conception, what moral rights? Don't you think? Don't you know there's other experts who disagree with you about the moral rights of that, of that uh, embryo at the moment of conception? And this is what he says. Oh, in that case, yes, they disagree about the moral rights, but not about the fact it's a human being or not. The lawyer says, I understand that. And, uh, and then he says, but that's the point. You see, what's going on there is the lawyer says, Dr. Lejeune, doesn't, don't, aren't there pro-abortionists who have the medical knowledge that you have? And he said, yeah, there's experts with the same knowledge that I have that are pro-abortion. But the fact is, they all recognize it's a human being that we're killing. So in other words, when that person from Planned Parenthood or that person from the ACLU argues that the unborn baby is not a human being, he is going against all the medical evidence. The intellectuals, the medical experts, the philosophical experts, uh, they know very clearly that life starts at the moment of conception. So if they're pro-abortion, they are basically in favor of killing certain types of human beings if it makes life more comfortable for themselves and other human beings. Uh, we are basically stepping, uh, walking in the footprints, 
and following the tracks laid out for us by Adolf Hitler. Um, Watson and Crick, they, 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 these guys uh, were the first guys to crack the, the genetic code, DNA. Brilliant minds. They won no, a Nobel Prize for it. They both said the same thing, but at different times. But Nobel Prize winner uh, Dr. James Watson is quoted here in uh, Christian Ethics by Norman Geisler. Listen to what he says. Now, this is one of those experts. He knows that life starts at conception. There's no doubt. He's got access to the information. He knows that life starts at conception. He's a genetic expert. Still, he's pro-abortion. But look where he takes his view. He says, you know, let's speculate here. Let's, let's look down the line. What would be good for us? And here's what he proposes. If a child were not declared alive until three days after birth, then all parents could be allowed the choice only a few are given under the present system. The doctor could allow the child to die if the parents so choose and save a lot of misery and suffering. A lot of misery and suffering, everybody but the three-day-old child. You see what's going on here. Among the intellectuals, it is very clear that life starts at the moment of conception. But the fact is, you have a lot of the intellectual elite that are encouraging us to, to kill certain human beings, the weaker ones, you know, they... It's always the little ones in the womb first, and then they want to start hitting the elderly. Right now we've got a euthanasia law down there in uh, mercy killing law down in Oregon. And then after a while it starts to become, well, maybe even the people that don't think like us. And we saw Waco, Texas. Uh, David Koresh was messed up, but he should have been arrested. He should have been dealt with alone. You don't need to kill every man, woman, and child in order to rescue them. Uh, but there's some people in power that would like to eliminate everybody who doesn't think like they think, i.e., let's get rid of the Christians. They're standing in the way from a one-world government. But take a look at what two pro-choice ethicists, supposed to be experts on right and wrong, uh, one of them is Peter Singer and the other is uh, Helga Kusi. I, I, I don't... Wouldn't even be able to guess how that last name is pronounced. But they state this. They state the pro-life groups are right about one thing. The location of the baby inside or outside the womb cannot make a, cru a crucial moral difference. Well, the baby's inside the womb or outside, it's still a baby. Whether you're inside a house or outside a house, you're still a human being. The location is irrelevant. They state this, we cannot coherently hold that it is all right to kill a fetus a week before birth, but as soon as the baby is born, everything must be done to keep it alive. The solution, however, this is what these guys propose, is not to accept the pro-life view that the fetus is a human being with the same moral status as yours or mine. The solution is the very opposite, to abandon the idea that all human life is of equal worth. There's an agenda out there. It's a hidden agenda. But it's an agenda that not all human life is of equal worth. These guys, Crick, Watson and Crick, were saying, look, if we arbitrarily called human beings at a certain stage in life, before they were born, if we arbitrarily said they're not human, 
and they don't have uh, rights, then why don't we just arbitrarily say they're not human until three days after birth? Then we can start killing them off if we want. Then somebody else says, raise his hand, why don't we start getting rid of the elderly? If a guy's too old to work and hold down a job rather than support him, why don't we rid ourselves of the misery and suffering? Why don't we put him to death? And eventually somebody else is going to raise their hand and say, you know something? Why don't we just get rid of those Christians? Everybody else wants a one-world government and one-world religion. Why not just get rid of them? And those Israelis, they get in the way. All the Arabs are mad at them. If we just get rid of them, the Arabs will be happy. They'll join with this one-world coalition and we'll all live happily ever after. The Bible says in the last days there will be a one-world government and that one-world government will put to death Christians. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen in this generation. I think the signs are pointing in that, uh, in, uh, to this generation. I'm not a betting man, but if I was, I would bet it's going to be this generation. But I could be wrong. But the fact is that someday that's going to occur. But we have people that admit, the intellectuals who admit that life starts at conception, but they believe we should kill these babies before they're born because they're afraid of uh, overpopulation or whatever, and then maybe we should kill the elderly, and it goes on and on. The same thing happened in Nazi Germany. Hitler blamed all the problems in Nazi Germany on the Jews. And so everybody turned and looked the other way when they threw the Jews into the ovens and when they killed them and tortured them and experimented on them. And then after a while he said, hey, my political enemies, now they get in the way. And so then his political enemies were killed. And then after a while he said, you know, these Christians, a lot of guys who call themselves Christians back me, but some of these other guys that call themselves Christians, the true Christians really is what it was, that did not back Hitler, he said they get in the way. A German theologian like uh, uh, Bonhoeffer, they stated that, you know, they came for the Jews, we turned the other way. He came for his political enemies, we turned the other way. And then he came for us. And there was nobody to help us. This country's declared war on the unborn. We've even killed baby Jane Doe, 12 days old. Her only crime was she had Down syndrome. Christianity says if a baby's born with Down syndrome, that means that baby needs some extra love. Secular humanism, atheism teaches a baby's born with Down syndrome is going to get in the way. Let's just snuff the baby's life out. Let's get rid of the baby. Uh, baby Jane Doe, uh, uh, the Supreme Court, I believe, I believe it was Alabama. I'm not sure exactly what state, I, but uh, they were allowed to remove feeding tubes into the baby, and the baby took 12 days to starve to death. Only crime, the baby had Down syndrome. Um, this is the this is America, the land of the free. I guess I guess it's still the land of opportunity as long as you're already born. Uh, but even that is going to is slipping away from us. Some more legal evidence in this state. I used to be a police officer at uh, Bangor. Title Nine of the Revised Code of Washington, the laws of Washington State. If a woman who is pregnant performs her own abortion, it states there that she is, uh, she is to be charged with manslaughter. Uh, Title IX defines manslaughter as a type of homicide. 
Homicide is defined as murder of a human being. Now, the interesting thing here is how come if a doctor performs an abortion, the unborn baby is not a human being, but if a mother performs her own abortion, the unborn is a human being? Where is this double standard coming from? Uh, what about the female drug abusers that are, that are pregnant that get charged with child abuse uh, when their child is born a drug addict? How can you charge somebody for child abuse when you define the unborn baby as tissue? That makes no sense uh, whatsoever. I want us to take a look at a couple more passages here. Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20. Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20. By the way, like the, the killing of abortion, I, I would have backed with Bonhoeffer, the German theologian, I would have backed the assassination attempt of Adolf Hitler. Hitler was a ruthless human being who was slaughtering millions. And to kill Hitler would have been like David killing Goliath. It would have been a good deed. So Bonhoeffer and his uh, brother planned it in the suitcase blew up only paralyzed Hitler's arm uh, but I, I thought that was a pretty good action especially since Bonhoeffer was very liberal in a lot of his uh, theology uh, but the killing of abortion doctors I think goes way against I don't think the abort let me say I do not think the abortion doctors are innocent I believe they've got the blood stains on their hands okay at the same time, uh, I don't think this saves any, any baby's lives. I think all it does is it, it just helps the media to uh, refer to pro-lifers and Christians as a bunch of terrorists, and it makes the movement look bad, and it's probably going to just uh, make our chances a lot tougher to defeat abortion in this country. And so I think it goes against everything uh, that the pro-life movement stands for. Uh, the protest testing at abortion clinics, they have saved some lives in those situations. By the way, Sonia brought in a book today, and my wife's got it in her hands, about a, a, a girl that's, I guess she's about 15 or 16 now, that she was, she survived an abortion, this girl. And now her mom's a Christian, she's a Christian, they love the Lord. And her mom would have lost out on this beautiful little girl if, if the doctor had succeeded in his uh, attempt to kill this baby. Um, but uh, take a look at Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. That means CNN. When you had the pro-lifers and they held up in a jar the body of an unborn baby who had been aborted. 
And they try to show the pro-abortionists, this is what you're doing, you're killing human beings. And the pro-abortionists knocked it out of their hands and onto the ground in a rage. Well, a pastor from Buffalo was being interviewed on CNN, who, and he was pro-life, and the CNN announcer asked him, don't you think what, you're, what you did there borders on terrorism? We slaughtered 30 million babies before they saw the light of day in this country. And some pro-lifers just try to show people what they're doing. And CNN refers to the pro-lifers as terrorists. Woe to those, my God says. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. We have respect, respectful people, people we look up to. People we salute who say the slaughter of the unborn is good. It's good and wholesome. There's nothing wrong. And then they don't want to talk about the ladies. What is it? I think 3% of adult women in this country go for counseling. Uh, of adult women that have ha had not had abortions. Ladies who have had abortions, 25% of them have either gone for extensive counseling or are going for extensive counseling. Not to mention the physical ailments and the hysterectomies and all the kinds of health problems that go along with it. It's all getting shoved under the rug. So we have two victims here, not just the unborn baby, but the mothers as well. Look at Genesis chapter 4, verse 8. Genesis 4, verse 8. We'll be wrapping it up here. Genesis chapter 4, verse 8. In fact, verses 8 to 10. And Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? Verse 10. And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Two points I want to make. Number one, you are your brother's keeper. You are your brother's keeper. You know, if there's a six foot five guy and he's getting slapped by a guy who's five foot one and weighs 90 pounds, I'm not going to go help him out. He's got all the help he needs. If he's six foot five, if he wants to just pick the guy up and toss him aside. But we're talking about little unborn babies. Who speaks for them? If the church is silent, who's going to talk for the little unborn baby? Look at a little newborn baby. How precious. And how tight you hold that baby and you don't want to hold him too hard. You don't want to hurt him. 